Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, nipples are sewed last week. Join the Long Road team for a chat looking back at our earliest musical memories and the first albums or singles we remember listening to or buying. Uh, We get the next entry in Kev's Camino Trek journal and Steve is on the search for an extraordinary story of ordinary folk to tell. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things. We're celebrating all of that and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bishleiden. Thank you for stepping into the weird and wonderful world of The Long Road. Plenty of content to get through on today's show, so I'll just do a quick reminder about the Festival of the Artisan coming up in precisely one month from today, if you're listening on the day this podcast comes out. Uh, Friday the 26th and Saturday the 27th of March, festivaloftheartisan.co.uk. The final lineup, including four great acts in our Artisan Club of Emerging Artists, uh, has just been announced, so check it out. Uh, the Long Road, we're on on Saturday. Saturday night, but there's great music on the Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and the Saturday night. So get involved. Get your backstage passes to get free goodies from the acts, discounts with our sponsors, The Sausage Man and Deventio Wines, and some free merchandise as well. Head to festivaloftheartisan.co.uk slash box office to get your backstage pass today. Limited number available, so don't delay. On to today's podcast. Some usual nonsense to begin with, but then a look at some of our musical memories and influences from when we were younger. I'm going to hand over to me. From the long road, you join us again, the three of us together, for another of our digital chats. We've got Kev at home in Spain. Hello, Kev. What language this week? Vastanoto. Oh, ooh, uh, it rings a bell, that, but I'm not sure I know what that is. What, what language is that? Well, it's actually Finnish, but it doesn't mean hello. It means reception. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, a reception's a sort of hello, isn't it? I, it you know, is. Rece- receive you into my presence. Yes. Um, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, <laughs> I know three words in Finnish, Vastanoto, right. Kurma and Kitos. So that means reception, cream and thank you. Well, that's all you need. And we've got Steve at home in Derbyshire. Hello, Steve. Eka shegadra. <laughs> right, what, is what language is that, Steve? Well, that's Hungarian. Oh, really? That's Hungarian, which is, you know, very related to Finnish, apparently. So I yes, just, I, I actually read that. I read that somewhere, yeah. yeah. It actually means cheers. Oh, well, cheers, mate. I guess I could try. Yeah. Today we're thinking back uh, to our upbringings, our musical childhoods, uh, and thinking back to the first music we remember, I suppose, whether that's the first music in our in our heads that we were played when we were youngsters or perhaps the first album or first single whatever we we remember buying so steve you seem to have a a, a, a strong memory of something from when you were young. six or seven i was a record player in the house but the records were uh they were useless really uh yeah they were <laughs> cracking songs like my boomerang won't come back by charlie drake um which, hello, hello my cultural, <laughs> yeah, hello, my darlings. Uh, and then there was My Old Man's a Dustman. Classic, yeah. Uh, he wears a Dustman's hat. So they were very early memories. Uh, 
They weren't even funny the first time you heard them, but that's all we had, so we listened to those. Do you know what, though, Steve? I've, al- I've always been in search of a good core blimey trouser. <laughs> core blimey trouser. <laughs> not, yeah, what's that joke, something about like, toad stills in a dustbin because there's not mushroom inside? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> John Lennon would be turning in his grave. Um, <laughs> but then, actually, you know, the first song I can remember, we wouldn't have had it, so it must have been on the radio was a song called Venus in Blue Jeans. That was, I can remember hearing it. And, mm, really? and, and, and it's that melody, you know, which is a, a thousand melodies wrapped into one melody. Was that Mark Ryland? Mark Ryland? That was Mark Ryland in a bit in Britain, yeah. yeah. And I just like that kind of sound. So they, that was, And the other one that I do here, which I played to death, which is my cousin, Carol, gave me... Telstar. Mm. Ah, yeah. By, oh, who are they? Kev, who are they? Um, um, oh, my God. Tornadoes. Tornadoes. Joe Meek. Joe Meek production. Yeah, Joe Meek thing. Written in his toilet. In his bathroom. The Echo. Yeah. Yeah, they were my first ones. And it's funny, the melodies are big, big, strong melodies, those two. My earliest was probably, I was told that I stood in front of the TV shouting Bundafaland at it, wanting to hear the Shadows tune, which I couldn't pronounce. Yeah. Wonderful land. And then the next things I remember was having a few pennies and going to the jumble sale as a kid, not only buying an actual record player for a couple of pence that was ancient, but also buying five singles for, like, two old pence each. And they were, mm. they were let me think, Stay by the Hollies, Suku wow. Suku by Nina and Frederick, that edgy pop duo. <laughs> um, <laughs> she Loves You by the Beatles. And uh, Needles and Pins by the Searchers, which is bizarre oh. to think that I would then end up working with them, you know, bizarre, yeah. really. And then one of those top pops, a seven-inch EP with three tracks on each side, which were cover versions of things like Groovy Kind of Love and what have you. But the first proper single I bought, which was very uncool at the time, I suppose, but was Tweedledee Tweedledum by Middle of the Road, who also later on... <laughs> became great friends. What I used to do with the Middle of the Road single, I'd flip it over, and they always had really fabulous ballads on the B-side that they wrote, mm. where they, never, they didn't write the A-side, a bit like the suite. And there was a song called To Remind Me, which was an absolutely beautiful B-side. And it was such a pleasure to me, many, many years later, to meet Sally Carr from Middle of the Road mm. and say, Sal... I loved your B-sides. And she was absolutely over the moon. She says, what do you think, so?" And she was like really, <laughs> really, really chuffed, you know. And yeah, they, they were quite special to me. Talking about you, Steve, actually, one big memory for me. You recorded the first Wishbone Ash album on a cassette for me. All oh, right. And I had an old <laughs> Grundig mono tape player. And I remember driving down to Bournemouth with my parents on holiday and, and I had this and I, was, I would listen to the track Blind Eye over and over again. I adore uh, it. Yeah. So there's well, some of my well. early musical memories. The musical memories, they do sink in, don't they? So yeah. I think, if I remember rightly, the first album that I had when I was young that I remember listening to over and over again would have been, forgive me chaps, in the year 1990. <laughs> the, and, and I think the only reason I remember the date is because the, the year is built into the lyrics of the opening song on the on the album yeah. um and so the album so, so the album is um flood by they might be giants oh wow and oh, wow. and the opening track is a, is a little 25 second number which 
is uh, is just a sort of a little chorus singing the song and it references in there the year 1990 you know we had this we had the tape version we had the cd version very clever band they might be giants yeah and i was six at the time and the, i mean i've got older siblings there was a lot of older sibling influence on this and what, what what i was listening to really yeah but my parents as well i mean my, i remember my dad really liked this music as well uh, and listened to it obsessively for you know months and months and months mm. this this album and then for whatever reason it sort of it fades away and then you don't listen to it again for a long time and i found the cassette probably 20 years later maybe even 25 years later and this when my car still had a cassette player put it in the thing and it was all still there i could sing along instantly with all of it there's something yeah. in that this stuff and whether it's because I listened to it a lot when I was a certain age, or whether it's something in the the mechanics of the songs that they that they wrote that they're you know really clever songwriters that something in there stuck, and I can remember it all. And even now, I can I can go from each track to the next track. I can start singing the next song mm-hmm. at the end of the first one because my it's just built into my brain. Yeah. Why is the world in love again? That's the opening track. That's the opening lyrics to it. Yeah. Um, why are they marching hand in hand? Why are the ocean levels rising up? It's a brand new record for 1990. They might be giant, brand new album. So it's like an overture. Brilliant, brilliant. Yes. But before that, I mean, I guess the things that I was, I was listening to, all kinds of odd things when I was uh, around that age and younger, for the ones that, st- that instantly spring to mind... Um, Adam and the Ants. Oh I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had, and, and this were these were records that we would put on, and we would we would play ourselves and bounce around the yeah. living room too. I think we must have had Agadoo on on record. Cause I remember listening to that a lot oh, wow. as well, which yeah. is you know classic musical um, musical education. <clears throat> yeah. There, uh, I, I'll, um, just, probably, I'll just I'll just briefly say, um, rest in peace, my old mate Alan Barton, who was responsible for that. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. Alongside that. Loads of classical music as well. Yeah. Vivaldi's Four Seasons were forever, forever being played. Yeah, I, I dipped into the classical genre a bit. I, lo- I loved Mussorgsky, probably via Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yeah, I, I, the Four Seasons too. Always liked the, the Planets. You know, I mean, yeah. it's fairly, fairly punter things, classical, but I liked it. You know, I think all this stuff it just play into the. It, it's it's all part of the musical makeup, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, I think you know when you get an album as well. I mean, I, I was earlier referring to individual songs but I think when you get your first album and and it's a thing of wonder that's never left me really that that sort of collection of songs that you can even if it's not like a a concept album you still sort of delve into this group of songs and it's a a proper escapism isn't it you know I I, I bought Mm. The Slider by T-Rex as my first full price album I ever bought and yeah. I, I absolutely adored it. You know, it was so mystical and weird. I mean, the actual music is is actually fairly simple when you look back on it. But at the time, mm. you know, songs like Rabbit Fighter and Lady Stray, you know, Baby Stray, all these weird titles and weird <laughs> lyrics, you know, the most bizarre lyrics. And things like that, it, it transports you in time. It takes yeah. you back yeah. Yeah. instantly. It's, it's like um, tasting something or smelling something that takes you back to it's, a certain place. Yeah. Listening to music. And, and the, the, the great thing that I found with um, They Might Be Giant's Flood was that a, a friend of mine um, also had the same experience. He listened to it. It was one of his first albums when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, lost track of it for 20, 25 years. Found it again when I said, hey, I found this old album. And he said, I used to listen to that. I haven't listened to it in 25 years. And you, you have this shared experience of rediscovering part of your childhood. It's amazing how you know they do that. I mean, I, I, I remember sort of my 
sort of late teens, my my parents would be away every every other weekend over the summer. I mean, what's not to like about that concept? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had to do make a few precautions, like not leaving too many bottles, empty bottles in the dustbin, because that would colour... Give the game away. <laughs> Give them. It was party time, you know. Um, parties <laughs> in those days, in, you know, were more horizontal than vertical. Uh, that's the, you know, the most significant <laughs> cultural change. Uh, now people stand up for parties yeah. and sort of move yes. around. But in those days, you basically lay down as fast as possible, um, <laughs> you know, and li- listened and drank a lot of alcohol mm. and listened to these... The songs like Wishbone Ash, you know. I... Yeah, I remember many nights when when we used to just be flat out at Guinevere's, you know, with those huge speakers she had, listening to yeah. like the first Sabbath album and Wishbone Ash and all. Oh that yeah, stuff. yeah. It, it does make me wonder right now. So in you know twenty thirty years, what will the um what will the children of today be listening to as their main as their Big thing. Is it going to be Baby Shark? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Every generation has its fair share of uh, poo, doesn't it, when it's got musical poo? Oh, yeah, yeah. It does, you know. I like all forms of poo. It sticks, you know. It comes back. Is that that going to be this week's episode title? Like all forms of poo, some of it sticks. (laughs) A bit like this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Now, you're going to have to explain to the listeners what this reference is about. (laughs) <laughs> what, what the, poo, the, the poo reference or the nipple reference? Well, well, no, the, the poo reference, reference. Yeah. Uh, the, Nipples were last week, Chris. Do yeah, nipples, nipples, were last week, <laughs> nipples yeah. were last week. Listen, yeah. we found a way to the top that wasn't immediately obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want a t shirt that says nipples are so last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's where we get the episode title two weeks in a row, including the word nipples. There we are. There you go. I'm really excited with the uh, Fest of the Artisan coming up very soon to have been asked to write a song about someone else's story and we've put an appeal out on uh, on the internet and all other places to get ask people to send in great stories that are about themselves or their family or, or friends that they have because I really believe that amazing stories are not not the preserve of the the rich and the wealthy and the noble and the uh, and the great but actually exist in all of us. The extraordinary stories of ordinary people have always fascinated me. On the road, I've met Billy the Kid's third cousin, an Australian local government officer who happened to know how to cook black mamba, a very poisonous snake that we had just found hanging in a tree next to the campsite we were staying in in Namibia. Then there was the guy who invited me to join him in the world altitude line dancing attempt in the Alps. Or the time I shared a taxi with an imperious but very gracious Indian lady whose stepfather turned out to be the great film director David Lean. Or I've just reconnected with an old friend whose father had worked for American International Pictures and got him as a, a summer's job working as a kind of gopher 
for a very peculiar director called Ovidio Asinitis, making a film called The Cockroach That Ate Denver. It's not surprising that you end up with the belief that everyone has or knows someone whose life is full of extraordinary moments. My own family has become a bit of a treasure trove for my songwriting over the years. Again, not because there's anyone famous in it. In fact, my brother Michael spent three years investigating the family tree. Now, Michael, unlike me, is is very, very precise and triangulated each piece of data to make sure it was reliable. And after a huge amount of work, phoned me up one day to say, guess what, Steve? Our family has achieved the statistically impossible What's that, Mike? I said. Well, I've traced us back to 1640 and no one of any note has ancestrally trodden on this planet on our behalf. We have no lords, no generals, no great. Nobody went down on the Titanic. Nobody did much at all. Stonemasons, shipwrights, miners and cobblers all, the lot of them. If any family was every man or every woman, then surely it is mine. But then you dig a little more. And no family, no matter how lacking in blue blood or fame, is without story. And these for many years now have provided me with some of the best songs I've written. Take my grandfather, William Dixon Lynham. Five foot nothing of pugnacious Geordie, of Swand Hunter shipyards, gob iron specialist, and composer of the best monologues in World's End, who kept his family alive in the 1930s, fixing radios and carving crosses for the local graveyard as he waited the long months until work resumed in the yards. And then on my father's side, with the four brothers, who all went off to war in 1914 and miraculously all came back in 1918. They survived because they were brilliant with their hands. They could mend anything. I wrote a song about them called They Came Home and it did quite well. It was played a lot on the radio. But my cousin Vanessa said, That's all right for the men, Steve, but what about Nell? Nell was in the same picture as the four boys, a dour-faced woman in a nurse's uniform. Encouraged by Vanessa, I looked further and found one of the most remarkable people I'd ever come across. It seems she was a nurse on a hospital ship at Gallipoli, which shortly after she left it, was torpedoed. And then she served at the Somme, and again, out for one night, escaped the shelling that obliterated the field hospital. A woman who, after four years' continuous service, resigned, probably suffering from traumatic stress and exhaustion, and withdrew her resignation 12 hours later. 
a woman who kept a scrapbook throughout the war, which disappeared from the family about 30 years ago, and then miraculously in 2018, turned up in the Royal College of Nursing, where it became one of the eight scrapbooks in a national exhibition of these incredible women. In it, the patients she'd looked after and her friends had all written her messages and poems and drawn her pictures. She died in the same hospital in Hampshire as David Walliams' grandfather, both shocked and traumatised to the end of their days. For her, I wrote this song. It is an extraordinary story of a remarkable, albeit ordinary woman. So this song is called Don't Call Her an Angel, written by Steve Bonham and performed here by Sammy Carter. Don't call her an angel, she's just a girl from the shires. Don't call her an angel in the flashes and the fire. Don't call her an angel as you're fading away. And you're looking so scared, she's got nothing to say. But hold your young hand as you face the long night and cry for your lover in fast fading light. Don't call her an angel, she's just a girl from the shires. Don't call her an angel in the flashes and the fire. of hell whether you'll see the morning she cannot tell as your eyes are closing she whispers a prayer that someone remembers the red of your hair the laugh of the summer the song of the fields the cut of the side that's never quite healed don't call her an angel in this vortex of hell Whether you'll see the morning She cannot tell Say something that's true 
and let me to sleep that's long overdue. Don't call me an angel, I barely can cope when nothing remains, not even lost hope. Hello and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner once more, which we should probably consider renaming Kev's Camino Corner these days because every week, if you've uh, been a regular listener, you'll realise that uh, you join me as I relive my journey, my walking journey from Santander to Santiago de Compostela on the Camino. And last week, dear listeners, you may remember, I just crested a summit that gave me a view of the Atlantic Ocean once more and the promise of the city of Gijon. And so it was that as the day rolled on, on Sunday, October the 11th, I began to make my way downhill, the Camino Trail sometimes leaving the road and guiding me down tree-covered tunnels and narrow paths following a babbling brook. It's a curious expression, isn't it? A babbling brook. It conjures up a brook that perhaps chatters incessantly about nonsense in an annoying manner, When a brook does nothing of the sort, it ripples and whispers across centuries-worn stones with a melody that soothes the soul. Eventually, I found that Camino miracle, a picnic table, and I sat and made a coffee while I watched an eagle swoop and soar overhead. Such simple moments with nature are a real joy. Apart from the early deluge in the mountains, the weather had held, but as I approached the outskirts of Gijon, the rain came once again. This time I had the opportunity, however, to get my waterproof poncho on in a bush shelter. This trip had certainly taught me how Superman must feel when he's pushed to find a phone box. Gijon was the first real city I'd been in since I started my journey, and as I moved deeper into civilization, it struck me just how alien I suddenly felt, like some manic wanderer with a Gandalf fetish, my purple poncho billowing and glistening in the wind and rain. It was all I could do not to brandish my staff and bellow, They shall not pass, to the bewildered onlookers. Not all of Gijon's residents were phased, though. An old chap on a pushbike shouted across the road to me, Are you going to Santiago? I replied that indeed I was, and he raised his hand in greeting and wished me well. Then came a sprinkling of road magic. As I walked, I was pondering the possibility of getting a tattoo commemorating my Camino, when suddenly a couple on the pavement at a street cafe wished me Buen Camino, the woman lifted both of her arms to show me her commemorative Camino tattoos. The road speaks to you. You just have to listen. Every person's Camino is different. No two are the same. Each journey is the lesson we need to learn. Even the one whose Caminos remain incomplete will learn something. The Bugalo Hostel, where I had booked to spend the night, is something else. 
Situated on the seafront, it has a cool, funky and relaxed vibe. The interior painted in cheerful yellow and white and a giant wakeboard on the wall in reception for anyone to take out and use. The common room was like a home from home. A wickerwork cocoon chair suspended from the ceiling by a chain in the area where a beautiful bay window looked out with spectacular views of the Atlantic. And on the wall was a guitar. I was home. Next week, I decide to spend some time in Gijon. See you later. Had a, a rather active day one day last week where I made three things in the kitchen, at least two of which would be considered baking at least. Um, first, actually a two-parter, uh, once again based in the ongoing adventure of searching for nostalgia. Uh, for years I wasn't sure what you called this particular pudding, but I found a recipe months ago in the first lockdown I think for something that I had at primary school. Um, a chocolate pudding with, and I don't know why it was, but it was always with pink custard. And I've since learnt that parts of the world call this chocolate concrete. A rather harsh term, perhaps. I mean, yes, it's a fairly unrefined cake, but it's not so bad as concrete. You know, yes, a thick, dense chocolate cake sprinkled with sugar on top, uh, which crusts over gently, not quite so much as a brulee, but on the road too. Uh, anyway, I've always remembered this simple pudding quite fondly and often wondered how to recreate it faithfully. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that this recipe is that faithful reproduction yet, but it is pretty close. Um, or it would be if I didn't accidentally leave the thing in the oven for twice as long as it should have been. Um, I used the, the timer function on my phone, but this seems to have happened more recently. For some reason, the timer will just not go off. Or perhaps, I don't know, I'm using my phone at the time and bat away some notification or other, and accidentally I bat away this timer notification. Anyway, I ran to the oven as soon as I'd remembered, um, and to be honest, the cake barely looked any different to what I was expecting, uh, but later the first slice did suggest it was a touch overdone, but not irretrievably so. Anyway, so that was tragedy number one, overbaked concrete. Uh, number two, later in that day, making the accompaniment, the custard, although just regular custard as I had no food colouring in. Uh, now, I've made custard plenty of times, uh, but now, I think the last two times, it's been an utter disaster. Perhaps my ease at making it the first however many times is now coming back to bite me. So that was tragedy number two, overdone custard, slightly scrambled eggs. Uh, and number three, I tried a new crumpet recipe and it was a bloody disaster. I've no idea why. The theory was all good. Uh, I watched the video online that worked there. My ingredients were all good, but somehow the result was just awful. But, you know, just about inedible, actually. And it's rare that I make something inedible. I'll eat just about anything. But all these things, they make me think of, I don't know, any endeavour in life, really. You know, some recipe attempts will be simply overdone, elapsed, no biggie. Some will be scrambled egg, accidentally, a moment or two either way from spot on, you know, finesse required. Uh, and some will be just 
unmitigated disasters through and through. Uh, perhaps it just wasn't supposed to be that time. Uh, and actually, you know, songs or compositions or making music's like that sometimes. I've had plenty of overdone cake compositions before, just left too long, too much going on. Um, you know, sometimes being in the studio is a bit like making custard or not making scrambled egg custard. A fraction this way or that way will make a huge difference. Uh, and yes, plenty of just unmitigated disasters, inedible songs, inedible compositions, which are binned immediately. But all these experiences add to the experience of life, you know, musical and culinary. Uh, I, I was buoyed after these three disasters in a day, the next day, to be making one of my favourite dishes, steak with peppercorn sauce, uh, and I tried something brand new for the sauce, and for me, risky, uh, and it really paid off. It was the most delicious version of that dish which I've ever made. Um, and I don't know how many times I've made that dish in the past, uh, but this new version is now in my toolbox. So I guess, you know, stick at these things. I guess that's my message. Disasters and delights await. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, wherever in the world you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and now YouTube as well. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thelongroadband. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. It's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. Uh, all of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download streaming, vinyls, CDs, the companion book. It's all there. The Long Road Band bandcamp.com we're on patreon at patreon.com slash the vagabond way big thank you to our patreons and a special shout out to orla flynn james lyden Stuart lyden yvette lyden and trish taylor thank you for your ongoing support if you'd like to support us become a vagabonder you'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it help us create something different something that entertains and something that inspires others so join us on the journey and release the vagabond within patreon.com slash the vagabond way Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on the Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. Music.